we earn the consumer at six feet, but we solidify the relationships by the experience that they have with our equipment in the field. Welcome to the Hoyt Bowhunting Podcast. Very exciting today. Today we're doing a video podcast with the president of Hoyt, Zach Kurtzals, and Brian Gold, your head engineer? Or? Product engineering okay, manager, yeah. Okay, perfect. So this is going to be pretty exciting today because we are discussing a couple of new bows. Um, and for the listener, we are putting video of this podcast on YouTube and, and maybe somewhere else, but find video of this podcast on YouTube if you want to see exactly what we're talking about because we have the bows here and we're going to be talking about some of these features. But guys, let's get into it. I'm really excited about this. So here we are. We're redoing a, a couple of bows. We're, re, we're launching some new and exciting stuff. Let's talk about this. Tell us the bows we're launching here. Uh, new VTM 31 and 34. Okay. VTM, what, what, where does VTM come from? Um, VTM represents the third generation in the Venom series. Okay, so um, it's kind of an abbreviated Ventum. Yeah. VTM, I yep. love it. Yeah. Yep. Um, you know, it's the, it represents kind of the culmination of uh, a transition. I mean, Venom was the first bow that we, uh, in, a, in our hunting line, we moved away from our cam and a half system into our new HBX. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of new features uh, from an accessory uh, integration standpoint. So that move was three years ago now? Yep. From cam and a half to HBX. And so what do you think? Like, are you, are you pretty happy with the response from the consumer on that cam change? Yeah, uh, definitely. I mean, I, th there was uh, cam and a half was a great system. I mean, we ran that for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of tournaments. Like won almost on twenty staking. years, probably. Yeah, yeah. two uh, oh three was the first year. Yeah, incredible. And I mean, I have so many. My, the cam and a half feels like. You know, most of my bowhunting life, I shot a camera. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was a critical aspect of that project. It wasn't to just move into a different cam system. It was to take all the positive attributes and, um, that people had come to love in, in Hoyt's cam and a half systems mm -hmm. and transition that into uh, kind of the next phase of, of yeah. product. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe we won't dive too deep into that just because, like, we've had that new HBX cam for a few years now. These, these new bows that... The VTM 31 and 34 both have the, the HBX cam. The other bow we're going to talk about, the, the, new, the new version of the turbo. Tell me about that bow real quick. Um, yeah, I, I, last year we had uh, RX Twin Turbo. We've transitioned that, made some updates and changes there. 33-inch axle to axle, 6-inch brace height, 350 feet per second. Um, the new it, name of that bow? Z1S. Z1S, okay. Yep. And it has the S-type. Yes. Is that referring to the cam? Uh, that's that's just the speed series of bows oh, in gotcha. general going okay. forward. I like that. Um, that's, yeah. a, that's a transition that, that I think we'll keep in the line. Um, so speed both 33-inch axle-to-axle adds a little bit of forgiveness to that platform maybe. Sure. That's, that's smart. I like that. Yep. Uh, for us, it's actually a fairly efficient geometry. Mm -hmm. um, longer to axle-to-axle, -axle, we can manipulate cam size and shape. Um, as we do that, we can reduce some mass weight, and there's the ability to get some more performance out of it. Okay. Okay. So, so maybe we'll talk to, about that one in, toward the end. Let's talk about this. VTM. So I personally am a Ventum shooter. Like I love the Ventum. I, the last two years, that's been my bow. Um, you know, I could get a carbon bow. In fact, I have shot the carbon bows. I've owned, I've owned the RX uh, Seven. Um, for some reason, I am drawn to the Ventum. I, I love the how quiet and smooth it feels. How dead. Like the RX Seven is. I mean, when I shoot it, it's so light and just feels like amazing, you know, yeah. but there's just something about the Venton that just at the end of the day, I lean that direction. One of the things I love, by the way, is the fact that you have a cam that maxes out at 29 inches in sure. the Venom and I'm 28 and a half. So that puts me like in that. So a lot of the 28 and a half and 29 inch shooters didn't really have a bow where they could be at the top of the cam. Sure. So I really like that. But so I'm a huge Ventum fan. So let's talk about the VTM. And I mean, it's going to have a lot of the same things that I've loved about the Ventum, I'm sure, but probably a few additions. And sure, let, let's talk about those. And But let's also talk about 
the stuff that that has been with the Ventum and is still there because it is so good. Yep. Um, so one of the, I'd say over the last couple of generations of product, we've been really focused on shot experience. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that, you know, kind of always comes up. Shot is, experience. So you're talking about what the, the end user, the consumer, the, the hunter right. feels when they shoot the bow. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, our, and so not necessarily the result of where the arrow is going. Right. But the experience, the feedback they're getting from the bow, is that what you're saying? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Our, uh, our sales team call it, calls it the uh, winning at six feet. Oh. It's the, you know, with, with in a bow shop, you don't have the ability to go set the whole bow up with a sight, with a peep, get it dialed to you, and then compare bows. Mm -hmm. So a lot of what consumers are doing are going in the shop and just shooting at a target within a few feet. Mm -hmm. Just a rest, just the bow. How does, it, how does the bow feel? What experience do you get from it? For us, we primarily focus on um, the, the contact points, right? So that's grip and that's draw cycle. It's, it's your experience and, and draw mm -hmm. cycle, how it comes in the wall, what, how much valley it has, how firm the wall is, how all that feels to you. And then after that, it's the, it's the actual shot experience, how the bow fires, where it moves, how it moves, what kind of residual vibration, uh, how the bow sounds. So you're literally having to to build a, because you know that when you're when you're shooting at six feet, you're not really, you're not look, probably looking at arrow flight. You're right. not you're not comparing accuracy between like oh man I shot smaller groups with that bow. You're simply comparing how the feedback how it feels. Yep. So you've had to like really focus on, or you've decided to focus on that. Yeah, I mean I think it's a primary point of comparison. It's and and not just like just how the bow feels, but I mean, draw cycle is a big piece of that. You can have a bow that feels great from a vibration standpoint, mm -hmm. sound standpoint, but if it draws really stiff or the draw force curves built in the wrong uh, positions from the, from the points of leverage that you have as, a, yeah. as an archer, yeah. um, then you're not going to have the, the, that same positive experience we're looking to provide. So Zach, let me ask you, do, so when you have to, because you know a consumer is going to be comparing and shopping at six feet, right? And do you have when you are improving these various factors that Brian just mentioned? You know, we, we said feedback, draw cycle, feedback meaning vibration, draw cycle, noise, um, balance. Is that one of them? Ba balance can be there. I, we we focus on grip because balance grip, is all okay. part of that the yeah. whole system that we develop okay. for. So when you're when you're when you're really trying to focus on that the experience, the feedback that the shooter is getting from the bow. Do you have to sacrifice any sort of performance that you would say get on shooting long distances? I don't think so. I mean, that that's the job of the engineering team. Brian and his team do a really great job of making sure that we don't have to give up anything to <clears throat> meet the criteria or the expectations of the yeah. consumer. Those those subjective things, you know, shot feel, draw cycle, mass weight, even cosmetics like, you know, maybe the reason that you love the the VTM over the RX-7 is you might just like it better the way yeah, it looks. looks. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's certainly a piece of that puzzle. Um, noise, um, shot feel, that's that overall experience. And, and there's only a certain number of things that subjectively a consumer can make their purchasing decision on. And, and so, you know, designing a bow to, um, to meet all of those expectations at six feet when it's just the bow, the arrow, the rest, and the shooter mm -hmm. um, only makes that platform even better yeah. when you get to the next level of, of putting the accessories yeah. on. I guess that's where you know it kind of becomes more than just the bow at that point. It's the overall system that we start to look at. Yeah, I, and you know, I guess like maybe some evidence of that, just like anecdotal personally, you know, having shot the cam and a half for whatever it was, 17 years, the, the experience, the feedback from the new cam and the draw cycle and the, the deadness in my hand is improved. But I wouldn't say that I'm more accurate. Like I was very accurate with my, like that was a great experience. But now the experience I'm getting, I guess, at six feet yeah. is improved. But the, the long distance experience hasn't changed. Yeah, I mean, we, we have the same expectations out of the product we've always had. Yeah. Some of those things will come in. Some of those improvements or advantages to a customer might be just in an incremental sense. Mm -hmm. But you can see the same type of focus that we plugged into our target line this year. Mm -hmm. um, we've had spiral style cams, SVX cams, or the current, current version of that for a very long time in the product line in some form or fashion. Right. They have an advantage in their in their position that they hold in the market and the feel and the and the performance that they provide 
So we held those in the line while upgrading to the HBT cam system mm -hmm. and a lot of the adjustability and wall feel and expansion and let off adjustment that that series of cam can okay. provide that cam and a half um, doesn't. Yeah. So maybe let's go through a few of those, those uh, measurements that we're talking about that, that people would feel when they're shooting the bow. And let's talk about how those have improved. You know, either from last year to this year, there's been improvements, but also over the last several years, there's been improvements. Sure. So um, let's talk about uh, grip. The, the grip on the new VTM is a little bit different than the Venom Pro. Um, grip, grip and geometry are primarily the same. Are they? With Venom Pro, we flattened the grip down four degrees. That was kind of the first uh, change that we've made in the hunting series grips mm -hmm. in a number of years. Um, we did make a, a cross-section change, so you're going to feel from, say, Venom Pro to VTM, you're going to mm -hmm. feel a difference in the front to in back. Thick. Yep. Yeah, so that's what I noticed. Like, I like to touch the inside of my first knuckle yep. against the front of the riser. And on the Venom Pro, I had to bend my hand more to do that. Yep. And on the VTM, it feels like more natural to touch that point. Right. Okay. Um, it's part of that's, uh, I mean, a big focus of that area is managing uh, riser flex and twist. I mean, mm -hmm. how, how it affects vibration profile, how it affects string position for tuning. Yeah. So we will use grip area and cross-section to modify that. What you'll see with VTM is that that grip cross-section matches up now basically identical to RX-7, yeah. okay. uh, RX-7 Ultra, that, that series of bows. Uh, one, of the, one of the feedbacks that we got, I mean, you can see on the bow in front of us, um, we, uh, we sell a, a pick rail version of a Garmin site mm -hmm. and we got a, a couple feedbacks that, you know, uh, the, the button attachment was like in a perfect location for how a hand placed on the front of the uh, front of a grip on an RX-7 and then the same customer setting it up on a Venom Pro would, would report, I, I got to reach a little bit. It's, uh, I'm setting okay. the button in a different spot. Yeah, yeah. Is there any reason that would happen? Well, it's because the Venom Pro was a little thinner front to back. Um, so that RX-7, I've heard before it was probably the, the most well-received grip Hoyt's ever done. Yeah. So you've tried to replicate that. Sure, yep, yep. Okay, good. Um, so you mentioned that the grip is a factor when it comes to uh, both flex and twist, a riser flex and twist. You just said that, and I just, I keyed in on that because I do get a lot of questions from people about the tech riser. Okay. And the, the tech web, I think you guys, yeah. we call it internally. So. So let's talk about, just, just so the listeners know, like people may wonder, like why does Hoyt have this additional support or you know, piece of material behind the grip? What exactly is the purpose of that? Um, it, uh, the main benefit that it provides from a structural standpoint uh, is it, it will stiffen the riser in, in plane. And so when mm -hmm. I say in plane, it's the, it's the flexor movement that under load the, the riser's gonna have kind of forward and back. And so what does a stiffer riser do? Uh, well, let's go to a weaker riser. A weaker yeah. riser will have a little more hop, a little more movement on the shot. Um, feedback during the shot experience may, may be a little more aggressive, so you're going to have a little higher shock value in, in that particular design. Mm -hmm. So a tech riser stiffens it in that direction, and it's, and it's the, the best application from a structural standpoint that we can provide. Yeah. Additionally, what that does is it gives us significant flexibility in, in the development of risers with different materials. So our carbon bow, for example, um, we would probably be forced into a fairly large kind of blocky grip shape in order to, to uh, manage the stress and flex that happens at the grip. carbon's pretty soft. Um, well, well, it's, it's, not, it, it's, yeah. it's stiff. It's just from an in-plane standpoint in the way that a bow loads it. Okay. Um, it, would it would need some more uh, structure there. Okay. Um, and we can use the, the uh, design with tech to actually limit the cross-section of that grip, which allows us to use the same over-molded grip that mm -hmm. we put on the VTM series and the RX-7 series, which gives that same, again, kind of back to that six yeah. feet, back yeah, to that... Yeah primary accuracy, we don't have this differentiation between those products because yeah. we know there's a benefit to having that, that rubber grip, that consistent contact point. So I know, I know Hoyt has some of the, the strictest engineering requirements of anybody in the industry. The, the testing and the torture testing you guys do with your bows and just like the strength requirements that you guys require of your products is huge. So, so if, if what I'm hearing is right is you know, you want to have a thin, sexy grip that feels really great. Yeah. But sometimes you might not be able to, given given the materials, to have that grip ideally sized for 
the best feel. Sure. But by adding the tech riser, now you've stiffened up the bow in another place, but obviously it's runs the it runs parallel to the grip. Yep. So you're stiffening up that riser and you can still get that grip just how you want it and still meet Hoyt strict standards in engineering. Yep. Yeah, it gives us a ton of flexibility from a design standpoint to change contours, recesses, yeah. whatever we need to do to get the feel at the grip that provides the best accuracy, tunability, um, okay. those the the primary uses of the bow. All right. Well, let's talk um, let's talk a little bit about balance. I mean, I know um, that wasn't one of the things you listed, but I just feel like this is a huge part of of the Venom series. Well, the, the RX-7 too. I mean, it's sure. just, it, the, the balance of these bows is incredible given like some recent changes. Let's talk about that. What, what kind of things have, have you done to create better stability and balance in the bow? Um, well, one of the things that we introduced, and this kind of goes back to even the introduction at Venom, um, We've, we've transitioned the thought process and, and the way that we develop product to really be focused on the end user. So it's, mm -hmm. the, it's the final application, it's how you take it to the field. And <clears throat> for, from a balance standpoint, a lot of times what happens, um, whether it's in designs of our bows or competitor bows, if you're trying to manage for good, clean, consistent knock travel, but also bow balance, you'll end up with kind of a, a, a top heavy feeling bow, right? There's more riser above your hand than there is below. So mm -hmm. the way to balance that out is to add more weight to the bottom or try to remove weight from the top. When you remove weight from the top, you induce strip, uh, twist and flex. So it's this really tedious balance of how to manage that. Um, we, we, have, uh, we feel like we've found the best balance from a tuning and delivery standpoint for our grip position. Um, and then we manage weight through uh, the application of, of our accessories and our attachment points. Mm -hmm. And so a few years ago, I mean, this has probably even been within the last, you know, five years, for sure 10 years, um, but there's been a transition in, in feature availability within accessories. And so not very many years ago, I would have strapped on a, a five pin or a seven pin fixed pin sight. It would have weighed six or eight ounces and I would have been offsetting a very minimal amount of weight on the bow. Today, with yeah. what's available in the market, you get into mover sights yeah. that are also five pin. And there's a lot more there. Garmin, there's tons of feature and yeah. there's accuracy benefits from it, but you can't develop the bow the same way. Yeah. Uh, and so VTM, a lot of the features that are built into that, the SL sidebar mount and its low location really low on the riser, the uh, shortstop stabilizer mounting position that's literally just below the pocket is low in the riser. I gotta say, why had nobody ever thought of that before? Like seriously, I mean this seems like, you guys, when, when you came out with that low stabilizer mount, I'm like, duh. Yeah. Like seriously, this is like, this is like pretty obvious physics here. And it, it is incredible. Like, if I put a six inch stabilizer with four ounces in front in that low, I can actually feel a massive difference. Yeah. Where if I put a six inch stabilizer with four ounces up here, I don't feel that much difference. Yep. So, like, why, literally, why had nobody thought of that? Well, I think, I mean, for us, it was just a, it was a reaction to market trends, right? Because mm -hmm. the six or eight inch stabilizer was probably adequate just below the grip when you had a six ounce side above it. Uh, so the um, top heaviness has increased, so now we're having to increase our, okay. Yep. So, okay. As, so as grips get dropped, um, as changes in cam system come into play, then you start to add not to not uh, 12, 16, 18 ounce yeah. sites to get the feature package that you're looking for. I don't know, Brian, it's, it's always different. been nice to have stabilization. Yeah, for sure. I mean, this is just like, I mean, I guess it's just one of those, um, those, uh, what do they call that? Um, uh, oh, there's a word for it. I might have to edit a podcast. <laughs> uh, they, um, uh, ingenious. Ingenious is the word. Yeah. Yeah, ingenious is like a very simple thing that somebody should have thought of. But yeah, sure. Yeah, so that's very ingenious. I think part idea. of it, though, was getting, it, it, it all goes back to the system, right? It's like, create the system. How do we win at six feet so that we can then solidify the relationship with the consumer in the field? Yeah. Um, and part of that was about creating the shortstop, which you know, perfectly lives in the in the lower draw yeah. or in the lower position because a shortstop acts like a six inch stabilizer. Mm -hmm. um, it acts the same. Now, when you put a six inch stabilizer on the bottom, it's acting like a twelve inch stabilizer. It is for so sure. So those types of things, like Brian's talking about, looking at um, what's out there from the market standpoint, the things that we're going to put on the bows, the things that the consumer is going to put on the bows, those all came into that idea. And sometimes, 
um, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So it's yeah. like, why, why didn't anybody ever think of that before? Well, that's an impossible question to answer, but <laughs> I can tell you why we thought of it, yeah. and that's, yeah. that's the reason for it. No, that's good. So, so Zach, tell me about this, this phrase I'm hearing a lot, more than a bow. What does that mean exactly, and, and how, like, this stuff we're talking about, is that addressing what you're talking about there? Yeah, I, I think that phrase is, there's so many potential meanings to it, right? More than a bow. For us, it's not just the bow, it's the company, it's the people involved. Mm -hmm. Everything from sales to marketing to engineering to, to manufacturing. I mean, it's more than a bow to us, right? It's our lives. Mm -hmm. um, and it has the same effect on a lot of people in the field, too. But, you know, when you get, if you really uh, boil it down, it, it comes down to, like, you're not just buying a bow. We don't want to just sell you a bow. We want to sell you an experience. We want to sell you a system. Um, we're trying to build um, the ultimate shooting machine, if you will, uh, at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And what that means to us is that we've given you the best possible experience um, out of every single shot. Um, so I think when you start, when you sort of build the platform at that point, if that's what it means more than a bow, um, then it turns into the experiences you have. Mm -hmm. um, you know, whether it's, you know, because it's a bow and then you shoot an animal and then it turns into this experience and then you're out in the field with friends or with family and now it's, now it's m more about life than it is about just the bow. And so <clears throat> I think the platform starts with the bow, the accessories, it becomes more than a bow. It's, it's, the, yeah. it's the things that are easy to point to, right? But I think what it becomes after that is it becomes the experience and that's gonna be different for everybody. Yeah, okay, okay. So this, this accessory system that, that you're, you mentioned here a minute ago, you know, the fact you know, that we can talk about the inline part mm -hmm. of it and all, I wanna get into that. And you know, the low mounted stabilizer point, the sidebar, all of this, the quiver system, would that play into that? Into that, like, if you include all of this, well, it is more than a bow. I mean, because yeah. if you had to mismatch all this, well, mismatch, but you know what I mean? Yeah. If you had to like figure out a bunch of aftermarket stuff to throw on there, it might not integrate as well. Right, yeah, it absolutely uh, is a part of that. Um, I, I think, well, I know, I mean, it was the major piece of our approach when we looked at the accessories last year. Brian and his team was, it's like, let's not just build a quiver, let's not just build a stabilizer, let's build a system that kind of goes together, mm -hmm. not kind of goes, goes together. Um, and from the, with the idea of, we want to sell you this platform, mm -hmm. we want to sell you this experience, we want to sell you all of these things because we feel like since we design, since we engineer and design the bow, we have the best opportunity to engineer and design the best accessories for that bow mm -hmm. to give you the ultimate experience. Yeah, because you're actually going to test those specific things, specific things for all the stuff we talked about, noise, yeah. Yeah. vibration, everything. It could be everything, everything from, you know, quiver locations, like yeah. forward or, or yeah. you know, fore or aft in the, in the bow riser. Like right. Brian and his team did a really good job of, of optimizing that. Where is the best place? So that when we bolt these on and put four or six arrows in them, um, what's the overall reaction at that point? Do we still meet the six foot test? Do we, or now do we have to meet a, an even bigger test yeah. at that point? But the, the subjective tests of like, you still got noise and vibration and weight and, and those types of things that are still gonna be judged upon when it comes to that consumer bolting things to it. And so our ability to go like, well, this is our platform. These are our accessories. We think that builds the best possible yeah shooting system well i'll just i'll just tell you one one experience i've had with that and I, by the way i think when people are shooting about six feet they should put a quiver full of arrows on it <laughs> because it dramatically yeah. dramatically changes the experience you know sure. and now, now probably a lot of people aren't going to do that but but knowing what you're getting into there so i was having like i was trying to like get my my weight closer to the center of the bow a few years ago and Hoyt didn't have a quiver that got close to it. So I, I bought an aftermarket quiver. One of, it's a really popular brand. I won't say the brand, but it, it got pretty close to the bow. But I had a, a pretty bad experience. It was very loud and it felt rickety. And I couldn't actually, didn't settle in quite like I wanted it to. Um, this last year, I shot the Superlight Stretch. Is that the right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Like that quiver is I mean, first of all, I mean, it's literally like a sixteenth of an inch from where I want it. I mean, it is so close to my, to my, you know, center, center mass of the bow. But in addition to that, it's, it's removable, but has two points 
of contact. Like most removable quivers have one point of contact and that creates that whole rickety, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, and durability issues. If you're going light and has one point of contact and it's, you know, 28 inches long, like you're gonna break that thing, right? So that, that by the way, great job with the that stretch quiver. Because like, yep. I like to take my quiver off sometimes and, but I don't like the instability of a, of a one, sure. you know, a one piece a lot of times that kind of like, it has the best of both worlds. But the point is my experience with the quiver you guys designed for, with the system and you guys tested, like I've never ran it through a decibel meter, but I could hear a gigantic difference between yeah. those quivers. It's a, it's kind of an interesting concept because, you know, I think in a lot of cases, uh, if we were just de developing a bow with the idea that we weren't going to pair accessories with it, that aftermarket accessories might be put on it, then, then, there's a maybe a different development style or a different direction that we might go. I think a couple of years ago when we decided we're going to revamp the system and we're going to bring the accessories along with it, we did some additional testing. And what we found was that in a lot of aftermarket um, accessory scenarios, it could be sights, it can be rests, it can be stabilizers. Quivers was probably the biggest differential, though, mm -hmm. to, to your finding. Mm -hmm. um, we found that we could take a bare bow um, shock you know, the shot experience, the initial shock, the, the residual vibration after and sound, we could take a bare bow and increase all of those by just in adding a good a, way? A, no, bad. Oh, bad. Okay. okay. So, so just, just picking a quiver off the rack and putting it on the bow, you could have, a, it would increase sound. Um, you could increase residual vibration. That increased mm -hmm. residual vibration tended to play a role in the increase in sound because now your arrows are flooding around, veins yeah. are contacting, um, broadheads are rattling. <clears throat> and so we actually like took a very focused approach on developing the accessory system that we have and pairing how it attaches to the bow, where it attaches to the bow to ensure that we have the best performing system that we could provide. So, I mean, that's one thing to consider when you're making those decisions. Yeah. Um, we've targeted the frequency profile and the energy that we deliver through our riser and we've paired the accessories to help dampen it. To reduce sound, I mean, the, even all the way to the way, uh, even all the way to the quiver foam, and how we've developed it to grab a hold of the blades to ensure that they don't make mm -hmm. noise. Um, it's it's uh, uh, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that's gone into that to build a synergy with all of those components. So what are you seeing when you take a bare VTM and you add accessories, the Hoyt accessories to it? What are you seeing? Like, have you measured that? Um, yeah, it's around you know ten. 10 or 12% reduction in sound. Um, I, I, the vast majority of tests that we do with aftermarket accessories, there's an increase in sound. Oh, um, okay. So that's a, that, that's a, so you're, that's you're a finding deal. a 10% decrease and you, I assume you've measured this. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So with a decibel meter or whatever, yep. you've measured this. 10% yep. decrease by adding the Hoyt accessories to the VTM. Yep. Um, you know, the other thing to think about is kind of the shock uh, or residual vibration. Um, you know, shock always is, is reduced anytime you add mass. Mm -hmm. And so if you just add some stabilizers or you just add a side or anything else, that those numbers are going to come down. The bow is yeah. going to move less. You can bolt a piece of lead to it. Yep. And it's going to, yeah. Yep. The residual side is, is actually it, um, developing for the frequency and input from the cam system, from the limbs, from what the string's doing. That's where we're really getting improvements from how we've targeted the design and our stabilizers, the stiffness of the carbon rods, the shortstop stabilizer, and the frequencies that it's designed to dampen, mm -hmm. and then how that pairs with the quivers. Um, so you're looking at like um, 50 to 60% reduction in, mm -hmm. in those vibration uh, shock and residual values. Um, some, some substantial changes 50 to 60%. So explain that number. I missed that. Well, how is it? In terms of like just your question being, you know, VTM bare to when you go fully accessorized. But, but you're saying like the difference between put some aftermarket accessories and the inline, the, the, the Hoyt accessories, there's a 50 to 60 percent decrease in sound. Uh, in, in vibration. In vibration. Vib oh, that's residual. what I missed. Yep. Okay, yep. so from bare to accessorized, there's yep. 50 percent, yep. 50 to 60 percent decrease in vibration. Gotcha. Yep. But not sound was 10 percent. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. So um, what about the difference in the VTM compared to the Venom Pro? Like my Venom Pro is very quiet. Yeah. I mean, are you still getting a really quiet bow? Like, sure. It, with the any yeah. changes you've made? I, I would say the, the primary focus for VTM in that kind of objective category, the things that our team focuses on, it was in the sound reduction. That was, oh, our, okay. that was our primary focus. 
Um, so we've made, you'll see changes in slots in the riser, cutout locations, um, recesses and pockets. A lot of those are in managing twist um, mm -hmm. to reduce cam oscillation and string movement to change that vibration profile. Really? Um, in order to allow us Sounds to Sounds like witchcraft, man. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> like black magic. Yeah, that's... <laughs> sure. Um, but, but there's, you know, the, the riser stuff will seem minimal, but it's targeted at sound improvement while maintaining all those other attributes that we've already talked about. Um, pairing a longer axle to axle with a new string weight configuration, and then most notably a string damper, mm -hmm. um, has given us some, some pretty significant benefits from a sound reduction standpoint. Just from a Venom Pro 30 to a VTM, you're looking at around 30% reduction in sound. Um, yeah. So substantial gains there. Yeah, that's huge, 30% um, is huge. Yeah. And then if you add that accessory package of you know, 10% reduction on sure. top of that, I mean, I don't know how those pair together, but yeah. you get a significant decrease. Yeah, no, it's, it's noticeable. I mean, you yeah. can shoot them side by side and, and you'll hear it. Even more benefit in the 34 and the way that that, boat, ah, that model finished okay. out as well. Because I'm gonna shoot the 34. So yeah. you feel like that one's maybe quieter than the 31? It have, is. You, have you compared those two? Yeah, yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, it's almost the same gain again, so it's closer to like 50% sound reduction when compared to a short. Yeah. Wow. Well, um, Zach, would you mind talking about the inline accessories and like why those are, those are cool? I mean, the inline accessories, just if I'm going to approach it from a bow hunter standpoint, so for me, um, you know, I notoriously have to hang a lot of weight off the left side of the bow because um, just sort of my biomechanics of the way my hand fits in the grip. Mm -hmm. And so the beauty of the inline, in, and I do shoot the Garmin site myself um, in the states where I can, mm -hmm. um, and, the, and it's a little bit of a heavy platform. So by moving that in line, it takes care of some of that issue, that offset weight that I have to deal with. It also has an impact on, um, on how the bow tunes because the further away from the center line of the bow, that accessories or that mass gets it creates rotation so that also mm -hmm. has an impact on overall shot experience and so you're ultimately trying to fight that um when you hang uh, accessories on there i don't because we're hanging on. off the right side of the bow for for a left a right-handed shooter yeah you're yeah. hanging a quiver a rest, a rest and a sight yeah off all off of one side all of the off bow. the right side yeah. which which is also the sight window that is Already, All, offset. already offset. Already offset, that's so, right. right? Yeah. It's even further out yeah, there. Yeah. So when you get down to the, the accessories that you select and how you put those on and where you distribute that mass, it's often a resultant of the actual accessories mm -hmm. that you've chosen. So the inline, the whole idea behind the inline sight uh, system is to try to get that as compact. You, re you referred to it um, on how your stretch got it closer for you, yeah. that's the whole idea. The closer we can get all that, we can control that mass and that moment of inertia that gets way outside that mm -hmm. center line, um, and it'll have less of an impact on the overall tuning of a bow, yeah. um, and then it'll just have a better um, impact to shot feel and, and experience and those types of things. When I think, um, so normally, like in, you know, the more weight you put on the right side of the bow, if you're gonna wanna like balance that out, you're gonna have to run a heavier sidebar. Yep. Yeah. And so in the past, I had always run a pretty decent sidebar. The last two years, I haven't run a sidebar. Mm -hmm. Well, including the bow I just set up. But yeah, I, I literally haven't needed I haven't felt, I mean, there's a tiny bit sure. of a feel, but it's not like enough that I need to run a sidebar. Less requirement. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. for me anyway. I know some guys are still running a light sidebar. But so you're, you're, the, the, the accessories themselves, like the sight that mounts on the front is probably going to be a little bit lighter. But because you're, you're sort of like saving the weight twice, because yes. you're not adding it to the right side and you don't have to compensate for it on the left side. And you've gained the clearance that it provides. So once you take the sight mount off and you take the rest mount off and you get those both in, the, in line with the riser, yeah. now the quiver can slide in. So oh, you can see how close you've got space yeah, limitations. Yeah. If, you just, if you're just using a, okay. a standard mount sight, then you may not be able to take full advantage of the benefits to, to how this system integrates. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean yeah. like a standard base plate on a on a on a site can be as much as a half inch thick. Mm -hmm. Usually they're around three hundred to the three eighths, three hundred thousandths to three seventy five, mm -hmm. and so that's that's a big move when you talk about that amount of mass that a six arrow quiver plus the quiver mounts plus the hood and the gripper and all that stuff slides in another three eighths of an inch or a half inch. That's a, a lot. That's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. You know, I, it's funny. Like I I may not have noticed that. Like I, I noticed like how much tighter my quiver's getting. Yeah. And I was giving all the credit to the stretch. 
but it's probably also because I'm 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 mounting it in I'm mounting it differently for one. I'm not mounting it with the sight, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it, all that stuff's out of the way. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you can't. You actually can't take advantage of the full benefit. To, to Zach's point, you're already adding if it's a dovetail sight, four ounces of adjustable bar and clamp, and then that four four ounces is moving you somewhere yeah. near a half inch outside the bow. Yep. And it's just a compounding no, effect. No, and, and in way fact, I remember my arrows having to. I have to stop my my movement inward of the quiver because my arrows were going to rub the sight. Yeah. The, the dovetail, all that stuff. Yep. So yeah, you're absolutely. So that's. Yeah, that's actually good to realize what was going on there. Sure. Um, okay, so what else? What else am are, are we missing here and talking about? I mean, first of all, the whole system. Yeah. But but in addition, by the way, these these stabilizers that that are matching paint colors. That, <laughs> I don't have those. Like those are sick. <laughs> like that is that looks so sharp. But what what am I? What are we missing here? What else? Um, I mean, I think for our team, you know, we always target um, uh, one of the focuses is like how the bow is going to be used, right? So we discussed the thickness of the grip earlier. Mm -hmm. We're using that from a structural design standpoint, but, but it's also application based. It's the ability to rest your finger in the right spot. I remember talking to Danny Ferris about how, how he shot the front of the bow when we were putting, you know, a little groove in the front, right? So we, we take a lot of that feedback in terms of how people are using it and we'll mm -hmm. adjust it. So in this case, we've adjusted that grip for the button, but we also understand that like uh, a lot of us internally, we, we're, we're fans of the Garmin side. It offers some benefits in the field, mm -hmm. uh, great sight picture and that sort of stuff. So we did add some, change some structure within the riser to accommodate that sight. Um, and you can see you know, on, on the front end of that riser there, yeah. we've got a slot cut in, it overcuts from the front side and into the, the sight window cutouts. So if you're using a pick rail Garmin sight or just a standard Garmin sight, you've got the ability to route that cable around and through the riser. Mm -hmm. um, that's the that's kind of the you know the attention to detail stuff that that our team's starting to look at, whether it's in an accessory or the application of how that yeah. accessory or, or bow is going to be used. Um, so that's an update we put on the front end. On the back, there's a, a slot within the tech bar now. Um, with with drop away cords and the way that they approach uh, the oh, yeah. the drop cable. Um, there's always been some some variance and some contact or some rub Run, things, running it around the side yep, of the, of the yep. tech bar. Okay, and so that that's not a there, there's not a detrimental impact to the performance of the bow or the finish or anything that that's happening there. Um, it's just useful. Yep, it's just useful. Yeah. And so a couple things as we move to the HBX uh, cam system, the amount of cable translation uh, between it and cam and a half it, it, it's larger, so the cables mm -hmm. move more. And so the cable moves further down. It requires a longer cable. And so if you, you know, if, if you pay attention to how your up cable, your down cable is moving, there's quite a bit of cable that can hang out there. If you're using an aftermarket quiver, it can kind of get close to contacting some of those areas. So now this slot essentially contains the cable, but it also mm. keeps everything in line. So there is no, there, there's, there's way less uh, possibility of, you know, dragging that through oak brush and, yeah. and pulling the cord, yeah, yeah. you know, pulling on the cord or changing the timing. The, all that's still again in line contained within the within yeah the bow. very smart yeah it's like a retention system sort of for that for yep. that cable night very nice i'm i'm guessing that there's going to be people who who ask the question of how come we didn't get there sooner um right you know that it's the slot it's it's such a simple solution why same, didn't somebody same, think of this same, yeah. same question you asked about the the short stop down on the bottom or, or um but the reality is is, is just the platform um when it allows for it like could we have done it sooner? Potentially, um, maybe earlier in the Ventum series, mm -hmm. um, but in the earlier years, earlier years, so now I'm aging myself, the idea, <laughs> you know, earlier on, like when I came on in 03, we couldn't get the, we always dealt with um, residual issues related to stresses and strains in that specific area in the uh, the tech web. And so we've mm. we've gotten better over the years, our, our um, so you want it to be as strong as possible. Yeah, well, we saying. wanted it yeah. to be as strong as possible, but as light as possible. Yeah. And so cutting a hole in the middle of it right. wasn't really a great option. And so Brian's team, this structure that this bow brings to the table, and I think the lessons that we've learned over the years got us to this place where it's like, yeah, we can do it yeah. now. And we can still, you know, all of these claims and all of these conversations are around the fact that it, we can still pass our testing. Yeah. We didn't make our testing any easier to pass so that we could put a hole there. We said, well, we, we would really like to put this feature here for the consumer for us, but we still got to pass all of our 
all yeah. our durability testing. Yeah, good point. I like that. I imagine, I mean, I, I would imagine that would be tricky to do with carbon, but whatever. I mean, it's, it, it's here. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so Brian, on the, the sound, because like the sound's a big thing to me. I had, um, two years ago, I had some string jumping happening with, um, with an antelope man, it was, it was it was driving me crazy, man. This buck, he knew I was hunting him, yeah. and like he jumped me several times. And so, like since then, I've been a little bit like I I've redone my fletching, and I've I've even like looked at my broadhead configure. I'm trying to like quiet everything down. So when you're saying like 30% less sound, like I mean, you got my attention big time on that because I already felt the bow was quiet. So I wasn't expecting yeah. like this year's bow to have like a huge improvement there. 30%, it honestly sounds a little bit unbelievable. Like that's a lot from an already pretty quiet bow. Yeah. So like, explain to me exactly how you got there. Um, so kind of three elements contribute uh, in, into that performance. I mean, one is riser design. So as I mentioned before, we've got some, with some changes in slots, some bracing to minimize twist. That twist changes how the cam and string settle together. Um, and we can target specific frequencies and reduce some sound. Okay, so in the riser. Yep, that, so that's, that's part of the changes you've, you'll see in you've the You've somehow riser. figured out the riser is going to be less twisty and it's going to somehow cause things to stay in line yeah. better and lower. We're, we're talking minor changes. We're actually we're yeah. talking more response and vibration, right? How the, how mm -hmm. the limbs and cams are settling. Vibration and, and sound have to be related, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. so. Absolutely. Okay. Um, we paired that with a longer geometry. So mm -hmm. the 31 and 34 both stretch that string span mm -hmm. out. As you stretch the string span out, it changes the frequency again, which gave us so the flexibility. So short bows are inherently louder? Um, not across the board, but I think there's a tendency to that. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean given the exact same specs, would the short bow be, like there's some kind of physical characteristic there that's gonna make it louder. I didn't know that, I mean, you said, it kind of sounded like that. Yeah, I mean, if you think about what the string, the string's under the same tension, whether it's on a short bow or a long bow, mm -hmm. it's just supported across a different span. Uh, okay. And so, it, it, you know, if you think about it in, in terms of like high yeah, frequency, yeah. Yeah. treble, low frequency bass, right? The human ear, uh, the human ear tends to have a little, a little, um, uh, be negatively impacted by high frequency stuff and then be a little a little less sensitive to low frequency. Mm -hmm. So as you if you take the same weights and the dampers and everything else and you just stretch it out in a longer axle to axle, you're gonna drop that frequency. But I don't it's not across the board. I mean in our testing we have short bows that perform better than long. It, it's a okay. it's a it's a okay. system reaction. Yeah, but gotcha. yeah I think if you're looking at string span then that's that's fairly accurate. Okay. Cool. Um, tell me about this this uh, string dampener. Yeah, so we've had a uh, hole shot in our strings for the last couple generations. Um, they do help lower uh, shock values when we're measuring uh, uh, sound and vibration. Um, and we've been targeting an update to a kind of a string damping system for a few years. And one of the things, we, we started with products that were available on the market and then how they perform. Mm -hmm. And there are quite a few options that are available that, that do well to help reduce sound, but they don't have a ton of durability. We would see anything from you know, within 25 arrows to maybe 50 up to 100. Oh, that's brutal. As the life lifespan, and so you just, you know, as a user, you kind of prepared. That's yeah. why those those dampers come in a pack of six or eight or ten or you know yeah, however you're buying. Who wants to be doing that? Yeah, I mean, like seriously, under 100 shots, I would be. I, yeah. I would just stop using it. <laughs> sure, yeah. and, and so we've gotten really good durability out of the whole shots, but we knew there was a next level of performance, and we just couldn't quite get a damping a, damp, a string damper design to pass our requirements. But you were getting the quietness, you just weren't getting the durability. Sure, yep. Okay. And, and, and so we've, we've went through multiple design iterations. We've went through um, a chunk of materials, probably six or eight different materials that we've had molded throughout the various designs. Mm -hmm. So our, our new uh, damper that we're launching on BTM, and it's only available on the BTM series, it's configured with the string weights and the string span and the bow and the riser. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, that collectively is giving that 30% sound reduction. Um, but then we're getting the high levels of durability that we expect out of, out of our components. Um, so this, this is, you're still calling this a whole shot because the base of it looks like the whole shot from last yep. year. But it's it has two some pieces. It has like an internal piece. Yep, mm -hmm. it's two pieces. And that's increasing 
the 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 noise. Yeah, so there's a damping effect from you know from the from the damper hanging out of that, but then there's also a damping effect within the string as it compresses on that damper. Uh, okay. So what plugs in there is not a round. It, it's not a uh, it's not a round base. It's actually kind of in a uh, elliptical shape, mm -hmm. um, and that allows the string to conform to to a position that then allows some. Uh, some compression so, to happen as it comes back to brace height. This is quite a bit of like extra material here over last year. Obviously, you guys, have, you know, speed tested this, and and there's no, yeah, it doesn't change speed. No, it, it, we've we've been able to reconfigure string weights, um, and in conjunction with that damper, that damper, we've essentially been able to design it as part of a string weight, right? Mm -hmm. So the string will look, the string weight yeah. positions will look different. To, to the to the consumer, there's there's really no nothing nothing to take away from there other than we've configured the string specifically for that damper in mind. Now, does it matter if this um, tail or whatever we want this thing coming off the back, if it is like in line with the draw of the bow, or can it be off to the side? It it's just as effective either way. I okay. think if I were gonna like point a position to that, you, I would tend to have them pointing off the back. back. Yep. Sure. Um, because but you don't you, really need to worry about mm -mm. twisting your string or something no, like no, that. No, it's not something to go target. Yeah, um, okay. Okay. Well, that's cool. I mean, that, that I mean, especially where I like the 34, that is that much quieter. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome. Um, well, let's look quickly at the new Z1S. Z1S. So mm -hmm. tell me about the improvements here. I mean, so this thing's fast, right? Like yep. we're talking 350 fast, right? Yep. And what's the brace height? Six inch. That's just, not just not bad. five and seven eighths. Yeah. Okay, five, yeah. And you, and you're getting 350. So, what's what's what can the user expect here from user experience? Um, from a shot experience standpoint, you're going to get the same expectation we set in the VTM series. Mm -hmm. um, I I think in a lot of cases, you know, target bows and or uh, tur uh, turbo models or fast models in this case an S model within a series have generally had the um, the expectation that the draw cycle is going to be super stiff, it's going to be really aggressive, mm -hmm. you're going to need a strong shooting style uh, in order to even handle it to try to mm -hmm. get the performance benefits. And that was one of the main focuses for this project was to optimize and get as much efficiency as we can from the system, but picking a geometry, pairing that with a string weight configuration um, in order to uh, minimize how much stored energy that you're going to have to yeah. that you're going to have to physically put into the to draw cycle. So this is the smoothest um, performance cam that we've ever had. Yeah. So I mean, imagine you can expect a, a somewhat narrower valley and things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, it's just a different transition into it. Yeah. Um, it's you know you're still looking at uh, 80, 80 and eighty five percent let off. Okay. In yeah. that in the cam, so yeah. it's maintaining that same kind of wall feel from a wall expansion standpoint. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, to get that stored energy, you you're going to approach that wall um, a little faster. Mm -hmm. But but I think people will, would be really surprised by the draw cycle yeah. that's available. I'm excited to shoot this thing. Um, is there any, are there any other changes like between this and the turbo that you'd want to like point out? I mean, it's it's longer axle axle, right? Uh, last year's uh, same RX oh, turbo, same. yeah, it was okay. right right around 33. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yeah, for us, that's kind of a wheelhouse geometry when it comes to building a performance platform. Okay. Um, you get some additional forgiveness, as you mentioned, from an axle from an axle to axle. It's a little more comfortable, so it doesn't feel as critical from a head position. Uh, mm -hmm. You know that you can get into to the shorter axle to axle bows, but it's not too long that it doesn't fit in the yeah. kind of the wheelhouse. I mean, for me personally, I like that 33, 34 spot for just head positioning, anchor, all that kind of stuff. Right. So it minimizes any of the impacts that a performance model might people might think they would experience because mm -hmm. of because of past bow models they've shot. Um, and for me, I, I turn it right into. It's just the it's just the boost in performance. If you're a shorter draw archer and you like a longer uh, a longer axle to axle bow, like this is your bow. If you're shooting, you know, 29 inch and you just want a little more uh, performance, then then this this is the one to go consider because you're not going to have any of the uh, I would say negative impacts that used to be yeah. associated with with those models. So what kind of speed increase would you get this between this and and a VTM? Um, you, this model will, will most closely compare to the short, just where their draw lengths overlap. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at, depending on the draw position, probably anywhere from 7 to 10, 11 feet per second, something okay. like that. Cool. Well, very, very nice. Um, so one, one thing I was going to ask you guys, just in, and uh, I, I don't know, I'm just curious how you guys would respond to this. 
Um, occasionally, you know, because I'm always running around with a weight and have been for years, I'll get just a random message from somebody and it just says, why Hoyt? Like, like it happens kind of yeah. frequently and it enough to where like, I've like kind of had to like put together, I should like, like have something and copy and paste. But <laughs> I usually go into like, for me, it's, it's the durability and testing that, that you guys put into the product for me. Yeah. But I would love to hear, like, if you had to like respond to somebody in, in, in the amount of time it takes, you know, to, uh, under a minute to write a DM, what would you say to that? Um, I would, the, I'd say the primary thing, if you just pick a bow model, then, then maybe this message is a little bit different. But if I just said why Hoyt in general, one of the things that we've always had that was part of the brand and part of the direction for engineering was um, building a bow for everyone. And so, I mean, you'll see it within our hunting lines. We have a VTM 31, we have a 34, we have a Z1S. Those are all three at different axle to axle mm -hmm. geometries. They mm -hmm. cover different draw length overlaps. We've got an, we've got now we have a carbon model that's specific for weight benefits and and um, you know heat retention at the grip, um, vibration profile and sound benefits that that product offers. Um, that's in a short and a long and two different geometries, a 30 and a 34, um, seven inch brace height on that particular model. Mm -hmm. So we've got now you've got a platform of five bows that make up what I'm going to call like the premium position. Right. Yeah. And then you move into target and we have uh, a Stratos 36 and we have a 40, we have an Altus 35 and a 38. We have varying brace heights. We carry an SVX wide cam system that goes from num one number one to number five because we've optimized performance in every spot we can. We have an HPT cam system that offers tons of customization, quarter inch draw length adjustment, adjustable wall, adjustable let off. But we do that in two cam sizes to maximize performance. So when you look at the breadth of what Hoyt brings to the market, we, we are making every attempt possible to build a product that is specifically designed to your application, to give you choices mm -hmm. to, to be a part of our brand and, and to give you products that fit what you're gonna do with it, whether it's in the field or on the line. Yeah, nice. That's a great answer. Yeah, think? I would even add uh, just a couple of models. In the moment, you know, we've got the Highline that we yeah. offer up. I mean, that it's like we have a bow for everybody. We have the yeah. Highline, we have the Eclipse. Those are both part of the premier line, that yep. premium line that Brian re referred to. So um, it's, it's... The Highline's the long draw, right? That's yep. right, yeah. The Highline goes all the way out to 34-inch draw yeah. length. A few years ago, I, I submitted a picture to you guys, and you put my picture on the Highline page. And I'm like, dude, I'm like the shortest guy. Like, are you kidding me? I got all kinds of texts about that. It was funny. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah, so I... But I also think, you know, if somebody just straight up asked me why Hoyt, you know, for me, it's, and, and I think for a lot of people that work here, it, why Hoyt is because of our passion. The people who design the bows, the people that manufacture the bows, like, we're bow hunters. Um, we're target archers. We don't just design and engineer bows. We use the ones that we design and engineer. Um, and then I also get to the whole, it's more than a bow. Like, this is m way more than just a piece of aluminum with some composites stuck yeah. to it, right? I mean, there's, there's emotion attached to um, hunting successes or tournament successes or just even wins hitting our goals with the the, the things that we're trying to do so um, with our products and so trying to deliver that to the consumer when that asks you you know why Hoyt it's like well it's it's there's so many possible answers that are above and beyond just just the products yeah the products the people the performance the experiences I mean I could go on and on but that's kind of how it lays out it's it's more than a bow yeah very nice. That's those are great answers. Way better than mine. <laughs> You're welcome to use them. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> well, guys, this has been great. Uh, so excited about about. I mean, you guys updated my favorite bow. So, yeah. like, of course, that's what Christmas. <laughs> it's a good year, right? Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, guys. Um, I think everybody will be excited to check the VTM out. Yep, we're excited for it. Thanks, thanks Alan. Alan.